going on? It is the Sports Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Sunday evening. The in-season tournament is over. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers for winning that one. But it is time to talk Clippers basketball. And it's me, Brandon Marcus, joined by my co-host, Matt Mattawarren, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? Me? I'm doing great. We're on a run a win streak here. The Clippers are above 500, for goodness sakes. My beautiful wife, like as we just talked about before we went on air, is at work for a 12-hour shift. When she comes back, I will have a smoothie. I promise her that. Waiting for her. I'm doing okay. What's going to be in that smoothie? Oh, boy. There's there's kale. There's some fruit. There's some nuts. There's, a, there's oat milk, which she loves. A lot of stuff that's going to... Um, facilitate our lovely young child who was on the way what a sweet guy so you'll be sleeping while she's at work and then you'll wake up and get her the smoothie and then everybody's on their merry way what that, that's family life for you it is a beautiful thing and uh i have had a heck of a weekend as well i was in san diego yesterday um and i broadcast the uc irvine men's basketball game against san diego state which was a nail biter and then today I got a chance to see LeBron's son make his collegiate debut as Bronny debuted for USC, went to that game at the Galen Center, and USC lost in overtime to Long Beach State as the 13.5-point favorite. So, busy weekend here on my end, which is why we are recording this podcast here on Sunday night. Um, so, appreciate everybody that has been waiting for this podcast to come out. I know we discussed that we may get it out on Thursday between games. But that was not able to work with our schedules. And then, of course, the Clippers played Friday and then Saturday and Sunday. We've been busy. So here we are Sunday night. And you mentioned it, Matt, above 500. I feel like we've been on this podcast for the last couple of weeks saying how the Clippers have a chance to get over 500 the next time we chat. And here we are. They're over 500. They did it. The Clippers beat the Denver Nuggets. Hallelujah. And then beat the Utah Jazz. It, it's a wonderful feeling. I got to tell you, it is a wonderful feeling. And I want to tell you something, Matt. I think it's interesting that nobody's really talking about the Clippers now. There was all this talk about the Clippers when they got James Harden. Everybody was talking about James Harden being 0-5 in his first five starts. Now the Clippers are a complete mess. Nobody's talking about the Clippers anymore. Now all of a sudden they've won 8 of 11. No one's talking about the Clippers, Matt. Because it's, 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 it's feast or famine, right? Like, if the Clippers won 20 games in a row, then they'd be in the spotlight. But since the Clippers lost all those games in a row, then everybody kind of wants to jump in because let's be honest, nobody likes the Clippers outside of people listening to this podcast and Clipper nation at large. And nobody likes Harden. And so put those two things together and have them lose five games, six games in a row. Holy smokes. It's then that is going to be the story. But yes, the Clippers have now won three in a row. The Clippers are above 500. The Clippers are in striking distance of getting out of that play-in tournament and not even that far away from it. Um, and as much as we criticize the Clippers because we're fans and we watch very closely, people are very quick to criticize the Clippers. And especially if, like you said, the Lakers do well, win that in-season tournament, and it's like, oh, and here we go with the little brother Clippers again who are terrible. So we're in a position now to strike because as we always talk about when, when the Clippers are in a position to where the expectations are sky high, like the, the it's championship or bust, 
that's where we get in trouble. But now let's just do our thing. Let's move forward. And I really like where the Clippers are sitting at the moment. Me too. And it's funny because I feel like we're now finally back to where we were before the season where people weren't really talking much about the Clippers. The expectations weren't there. And it was a lot more fun to be a Clippers fan because frankly, it's way more enjoyable when a, your team is winning. That's obvious. But B, when the media is not talking about your team, because like you said, the media likes a complete dumpster fire and the Clippers were a dumpster fire. And with James Harden, the lineups were terrible. I mean, the stats were out there all week on Twitter about what the lineups were with James Harden initially when he joined. And then all of a sudden, everybody on Clippers Twitter is like, how about retweeting that now to see what the plus minus is for James Harden? Because it's no secret that the best lineups now for the Clippers incorporate the beard. You look at the nor- the lineups with James, Kawhi, PG, Zoo, and T-Man, and then with Norm instead of T-Man, and it's all positive. And it's not a surprise that one of the best playmakers and scorers in NBA history in James Harden is making a team better. And the Clippers made this trade to raise their ceiling, and now you're suddenly seeing the bits and pieces of what this team can be. I mean, first you go and you beat Denver, which is hilarious considering they couldn't beat them when Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan were there, but they can beat them when Nikola Jokic is there, and they just embarrassed Jokic. He had a horrendous game, and that's all credit to Zoo, and we'll talk about him on this podcast. And then they go and they beat a Jazz team that is hungry, not very good, but hungry, And the game was in Utah, which is never an easy place to play. And the Clippers finally won a game there as well. So it's it's really funny because I feel like people listening to this podcast will be like, Brandon, you're really all over the place. And you're right, I am, because I want to take one side. I really do, and be like and say, Yes, the team this team has all the opportunities in the world. This team looks great. But then they go and they have a game like they did with Reggie Jackson and DeAndre killing them. And I come on here and I come on here pissed because it's frustrating that they lose a game like that. But losses are going to happen. And if you look at the bigger picture, which I feel like we we're now able to do the last couple of episodes because we're taking a couple, couple games at a time together and grouping them, the Clippers have won 8 of 11. And they're in a really good uh, position. You mentioned it. They're now in the play-in tournament. They're in the number nine seed. And they are a couple games back of being out of that play-in tournament. They're one and a half back of Sacramento. So all of a sudden, this team has a chance to go on a little winning streak here and lift our spirits and lift their spirits as well. So I'm happy with where this team is right now. Absolutely. And isn't that the reason we do this as as podcasters and as fans? To ride the ups and downs with the team. You know, we can't always be even killed because we love this team so much. When the goods, when the highs are high, we are high. When the lows are low, we're low. And it's and it's funny you mentioned that trade because, and this is not like sour grapes or anything, but at the beginning it's like, oh my God, Philadelphia, Daryl Moore, they fleeced the Clippers. They got, not only did they get uh, Batum, Covington Sr., they also got Kevin Martin Jr., which all four guys I love. But you look at the last couple of games, Kmart's a DNPCD. Uh, Covington played, I think, four minutes in the last two games. Senior is not doing much. Batum's had a, had a large role, but it's not as if, you know, it was like the Clippers gave up these guys who are going to swing a championship run. 
And perhaps that's true because I, like I said, I love all those guys, but you look at what they've done and, and, and the Sixers have won a few of those games, but not because of the guys we traded. The Clippers have won those games because of the guy they traded for, or at least in part because of that. So the trade seems to have worked out for the Clippers, despite them giving up way too much in these long wings, which I, I thought too, but it's looking okay now. Interesting. You bring that up because since that eight game winning streak where Philly started eight and one, they they've played 500 ball since they are trading off two losses, two wins, two losses, two wins, two losses, two wins in their last eight games. They're four and four um, rather eight and eight. And so it's one of those things where they're eight and eight in their last 16, they're four and four in their last eight. And, they're playing 500 ball, and it's very up or down, very much the way we felt like at the beginning, where now it's the Clippers that are winning games just like Philadelphia was. And it takes time, and it, it's tough to have that patience. But patience does pay off, and I know it's hard to come on here and have patience and say to everybody, yes, wait, give it some more time. Because the Clippers are in a little bit of desperation mode with where they were in the standings, and with how much time they have to figure this out because of how good the West is. If the West wasn't as good, I'd say, listen, give this team 10 to 15 games. Let Ty do his 10-game experiment. But when the Clippers lose five games in a row, then it's like, yeah, you got to move Russell Westbrook to the bench. And he did. And, oh, you got to make this change. you got to make that change. And to Ty Lue's credit, for the most part, he has made a lot of changes that he has needed to make. And certainly I still have my gripes with some calls at the end of games. But in the last couple of games, he's been really good in terms of what he's needed to do. And you look at that Jazz game where the Clippers did not have a backup center because Daniel Tice was ill. And the Clippers played eight guys and Zoo played 42 minutes. And so that's a credit now to Ty Lue in pulling the right strings and really making this an orchestra that's certainly in tune. And you love to see it. And so... I think in these last couple of games, we're, we're seeing Ty Lue start to get better. We're seeing the Clippers start to come together. I think they're in a good place. They are, in the, but but let's not let's not get it twisted because uh, desperation mode is not. We haven't we haven't sort of sailed from that port right. because we're only eleven and ten. It's great. It's it's over five hundred. You have to love to be in that mode, but. You have to keep that momentum going because any slippage and you're right back where we were a week ago. So Mm -hmm. I don't know about desperation mode, but keep the momentum mode is definitely in the mix. And what you said about Zoo playing 42 minutes in that jazz game, if we want to transition over to there, he, he was awesome. Of course, Kawhi was out of his mind. Paul George ended up coming on the whole, the whole starting five was was fantastic. I, I missed the first quarter or the first half of that game, excuse me. Uh, but I heard, I heard that team man was incredible on defense and I watched the second half and I, I agreed with that. I really thought that was a, um, it was very telling about what, what the Clippers can be. I know it's people will say that the jazz is a lesser opponent, but it was a really, really great game from that starting five and from the eight players that they played in whole. I'm, I'm curious if you watched the whole thing or your thoughts on that game. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing, but I watched bits and pieces, and you're right. And the funny thing about T-Man is we all know about how he had that ridiculous game against the Jazz in the playoffs, and he was great offensively. But you bring up a good point. Defensively, he slowed down Jordan Clarkson, a guy that has hurt the Clippers previously, and Clarkson was terrible. He was 2 of 9. He only had 6 points. This is a guy that had 
honestly been on fire um, for the last month or so. And so for him to get slowed down like this was huge. And Walker Kessler was back in the starting lineup. He was playing regular minutes. He played 31 minutes in that game. He had five blocks, but he was still a minus 10, which gives credit again to Zoo. And Kessler was four of nine shooting, which is never great for a big shooting under 500. And apart from John Collins, no one really did a whole lot. And you got to give credit to the Clippers because the defense was good. And like you said, Kawhi was out of this world. And we talked in this podcast. There's one thing about shooting 23 times. But there's another one about shooting 23 times and Kawhi being close to that 50% mark. Because he is a guy that has the ability to shoot 50% from the field. And Kawhi Leonard was great, 14 of 23. But more importantly, he's a guy that's now a deep threat. He was taking threes before, Matt. Now he's taking a lot more threes. Like, I would love to see his numbers. I haven't, I didn't look this up in terms of how many threes he's attempted this year versus previous years. Because I feel like it's more than usual. And I'm pulling this up right now because in the last couple of years, it doesn't feel like he was doing it as much. And if you look, 4.83 point attempts last year. The year before that, 4.9. He's up to 5.5, which is nearly one more three per game. And He's shooting 42% from three. This is his best mark from three since all the way back during the 15-16 season with the Spurs. So he's shooting the three ball well. He's been efficient. I know there was a game or two we said, hey, he might be tired because of how many games he's having to play, and he hasn't missed a game, knock on wood. And Paul George had a great game as well. And we said, if those two guys have good games, you're probably going to win. And you add in a James Harden 12.7 rebound, eight assist performance, and you're not going to lose. Even though Harden was too afraid from the field, when those three guys are playing together and performing well, you're not going to lose a game. And so they did so against the Jazz, and it's another example of how this team can look really good on a given night. And and you're totally right, because three-pointers really told the story of that game. I mean, if you look at the numbers, right? Like So in that in that game against the Jazz, rebounds were even. 40 apiece assists even 23 apiece but you look at three point percentage clippers are at a little bit over 44 percent the jazz are at 29 percent uh so it it was that three point percentage and and big time in part because Kawhi went six of eight so having that extra bullet in the chamber so to speak is going to really 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 pay dividends and like we like we keep talking about it's about of course it's about effort but with these with these particular guys it's about efficiency and 44% from 3 nearly 50% from the field overall 76% from the line you want to bump that up a little bit but that's the way this team is going to win championships so you 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 love to see it and, you know, the minutes were big again, 37 for Paul George, 38 for Kawhi, 42 for Zoo we can live with. Um, but it's, it's what it took to win the game. And it, it's going to I guess that's what it's going to take to win moving forward. And I'm not upset about that um, on a game that you're playing and you have several days off. I mean, they played on Friday. They don't play again until tomorrow. And we'll talk about the back-to-back mm-hmm. because you bring up the minutes and people who listened to the last podcast would know that was a major thing we discussed because you brought that up in terms of how many minutes these guys are playing night to night. It's really close to about 37 to 38 minutes in the wins. And 
it seems like that's the number of minutes these guys are going to have to play, that they're only going to be able to sit for about 10 minutes per game. It'll be interesting to see if that's the case on this back-to-back and how important it is for the Clippers to blow out Portland, and that's way easier said than done, so the Clippers can manage the minutes a little bit and not have their starters play as many. But then we also discussed in the last podcast that, well, that would mean that the bench guys would have to perform, and that hasn't really happened as much when they've been uh, forced to carry the load. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow in that Portland game. But yeah, certainly the minutes were high again. Um, but man, Kawhi, it's one of those things where when you have Harden, he just is able to help you generate so many good open looks. And the same thing goes when you have PG and Kawhi together with Harden. And you look at Harden in that first half, he had 22 points on eight of 10 shooting and he was four of four from downtown. He was incredible. And if he's performing like that, then the Clippers are going to be a very tough team to beat this year. And it's as simple as that. If Kawhi is playing to this level, which we didn't know he was capable of getting back to, this team is going to be very difficult to beat because we know Paul George is capable, may not do it night to night, but he's capable of being an elite sniper and an elite scorer. And we know James Harden can be an elite facilitator and can score at will if necessary and spurts. And you pair that with the scoring of Powell or the defense and the energy of man and what Zoo brings defensively and in the paint, and you have yourself a damn good ball club. So the recipe right now seems to be showing itself for the Clippers. And let's not look over the fact that Paul George, as bad of a first half that he had, he had six steals in this game. Yeah. I mean, he is bringing it on the defensive end like no other. And we're talking about minutes. So Zoo had 42 minutes in this game. Mm-hmm. And this is without, like you said, without Tice. And of course, Plumlee's not there. So Zoo had, and, and PJ Tucker was a DNP CD. Like, what do you, what do you see in that regard? Is he just completely out of the rotation? He didn't play in the game before either. Is he just out? Yeah, at, I think that's moment, it. Or? I think that's it for him, uh, at least for now. Uh, because if you have a game where Daniel Tice is out, you thought for sure we would see P.J. Tucker back in the rotation and him be the small ball five. But with him not entering in a game against the Jazz where you win by 14 points and him not playing at all, that tells you what you need to know about this team. And even when uh, Ty Lue was asked earlier about Bones, because remember how Bones had to play a couple of games ago, he was asked about Bones reentering, and he said that's not a thing that we're doing right now. He basically is like, we want to take a look at the other guys, um, but but basically, in in so many words, said he's not back in the rotation all of a sudden. Like, we're going to ride with what we have. And so Ty Lue seems to be happy with what he's got. That being said, having an eight-man rotation in a game in November, or rather in December, whatever the hell month it is, December, is not great. It's really not good because you're going to be playing a lot of games coming up. The Clippers have four games this week. They have a back-to-back starting tomorrow. These minutes can't be like that. You can't have an eight-man rotation and be successful because you're going to run the risk of guys getting hurt. And the Clippers have to be careful. But I'm willing to say that this was something that's not going to happen every night because you had the days off between that Friday game and then the game uh, tomorrow. But certainly something that we need to keep a close eye on now. So true. Uh, the rotation has to be expanded, and it will. I'm just, I'm just thinking with, like, like you're saying, with the days off and with the rest. I mean, you can expand in once people get healthy. Once Tice is back, I, I wonder if BBJ, who, like you said before, we before we went on air, was killing it uh, today, will maybe get brought up. Um, Bones will come in. Tucker will get a few minutes. I, I it looked like. It looked like coffee was about to check in at one point, and then there was a timeout, and 
they decided not to do it. So they'll expand the rotation. Great win against the Jazz, but the win that everybody's talking about, of course, is against the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, one more note, by the way, um, because we've touched on it a couple times, and I want to expand on it one more um, little segment here, um, and then we will talk about the Nuggets. Let's talk about Zoo. And because yes. he's a guy that was much maligned um, initially when the Harden trade was made, people were making a big deal out of his hands, making a big deal about how maybe the Clippers need to trade for a center because Zoo maybe is not that starting guy. I just want to give him his flowers because he has been absolutely spectacular recently. And for him to do what he did against the Jazz and play 42 minutes, I mean, he that's the second most minutes that he had played in the first half. He was 21 minutes. I think he played 22 minutes twice. Um, tw- and then 42 minutes, I believe, was the most he had played um, in a while, if not ever. And that says a lot about him. But also, not surprising that when Zoo plays 42 minutes, the Clippers win a game because he's just so damn good defensively and he can provide so much offensively. I mean, he had 15 shots, which is a lot. And he had 18 points on 9 of 15 with 12 rebounds. But give credit to him, man. I, I really thought that he played spectacular against the Jazz. Did a really good job um, in a game where Collins and Kessler are tough dudes to play against. So, one, just give him some props. I love Zoo. There was some crazy talk back in the day about, like, should perhaps the Clippers trade the Bulls for Andre Drummond, right? Mm-hmm. For Zoo. Um, I'm going to give, and I'm obsessed with Andre Drummond's age. Let's take a break, and when we get back, I'm going to give you a little insight on Andre Drummond's age. Okay, so back to Andre Drummond's age. And I, I, first of all, Drummond used to be a first-round fantasy guy, bar none, 2020 guy, any night. You have to punt free throws, of course. So the, the last three MVPs, and we're talking Embiid, Jokic, Jokic, Giannis. So that's four years, but three MVPs. Embiid is, I'm looking at this now, Embiid is 29. Mm-hmm. Jokic, 212, is 28. Giannis, who won, is 29. And you would think Drummond is like closer to our age, Brandon. Yes. He's 30. Wow. That's actually surprising. He's a year older. I mean, like, it just seems like he's been in the league for 50 years. Good for him. Andre Drummond, who, by, who, like so I said before the break, there were calls to like, well, should the Clippers consider bringing him in as a, as a big to, you know, sort of, because he can board and he can do this, that, and the other. No, no. Zoo, as we've been saying for years, is awesome, and he's a really important piece. And thank you to the, to the in-season tournament champion Lakers for trading him to us for Mike Muscala. Really appreciate it. He's been on six teams already, Andre Drummond. Um, He started off, obviously, with Detroit, and he debuted at 19 years old, which is why why we think he's so old, because he was so young when he came into the league. Then Cleveland, the Lakers, Philly, Brooklyn, and Chicago. So he's certainly been around. And, yeah, I mean, Zoo is a guy that is just – he's the dude. And so um, I'm glad that he's there now as a starting center and not someone that is either A, on the trade block, or B, someone that – is more of a reserve center and the Clippers try and find somebody else. I think Zoo's the guy, man. I'm fine with it. I think Zoo is fine. And also, you know what I like about Zoo is that in the postseason, when you're going to go small, Zoo doesn't complain. Like, he plays whatever minutes you ask of him. 
and he works hard in those minutes. So I love Zoo. Uh, I think he just does everything he needs to do um, to be a successful big man and a successful team player. So he was great. And then let's talk about what Zoo did against Nikola Jokic because, by golly, did he completely mystify Jokic. 32 shots for the Joker. Nine makes. Joker was awful in that ball game. And you have got to give credit to Zoo because I think the percentage was somewhere around 30 to 35% is what Jokic has been shooting against Zoo, I believe, in his career. And so Zoo is a tremendous defensive player. And for him to just completely nullify Jokic for as much as you can nullify a guy that ended up getting a triple-double says a lot because, listen, Jamal Murray, 10 of 18. You look at Michael Porter Jr., 7 of 8. You look at Gordon, 4 of 9. You think, damn, this can be a tough game to win. But then with Joker performing as poorly as he did for the Clippers to stop Denver despite them getting 11 more shots up, 98 to 87, if you had told me that was going to happen, I would have told you they'd probably be screwed, and they won that game. So all hail Zoo because without him, the Clippers lose that game to the Nuggets. A hundred percent. Zoo gave Jokic fits, and I and and when we when we previewed that game, I said I wanted to watch the defensive assignments and more in in particular, what Zoo was going to be able to do against Jokic. Was he going to get an early foul trouble? No, he only had three throughout the entire game. Was he going to be able to hold Jokic in check? Well, shooting wise, yes, of course he had ten assists and fifteen rebounds. You're not going to stop Jokic from doing that. Is the MVP of the league, arguably arguably the best player in in the world, but to keep him to nine of 32 from the field, two of seven from three to make him settle. It was a masterclass in how you guard the most valuable player from the previous two years. It, I loved what zoo did against him. And I thought the Clippers just played a great game against the defending champions. It really, at that time, just to get to 500 against a team like this, it really gave you, and it really gave me hope. So I really, really, really enjoyed that game. And yeah, let's give Zoo his his flowers because that that was incredible. And and then on top of that, you had Harden having a classic Harden game, twenty and eleven, six of seven from the free throw line. He was aggressive in thirty two minutes. You know, Kawhi didn't have the same game that he had against the Jazz, but Paul George stepped up. Uh, Norm Powell off the bench was huge. So that that was a little glimpse into what you could see in perhaps a playoff preview to what the Clippers could run against a team like the Nuggets. So Zoo was awesome, but the team as a whole, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we just talked about Zoo and how much he's defend how well he's defended Jokic, but let's also talk about what Daniel Tice did. I mean, Daniel Tice is a, was a plus 14 in his 21 minutes. Probably one of the best games Tice has played as a Clipper, despite, I mean, the point total is not huge. It's eight points. But for him to hit a couple of threes, to for more importantly, for him to get 11 rebounds and three block shots tells you how active he was defensively and on the defensive glass and also on the O-glass. He had five offensive rebounds in that game. Westbrook had four offensive rebounds. And so the Clippers getting second chance points, second chance opportunities, taking away possessions from Denver. Huge. And so a real a team win. I think you look all around and T-Man didn't play a ton. He only played 20 minutes. 
But you look at what Mann, Harden, Zoo, Kawhi, and PG did in the starting lineup and their contributions, and then what Tice, Westbrook, Powell, and Kobe Brown did in theirs, because Kobe had a a pretty good game as well. The box score doesn't show it, three points and four rebounds, but he had a couple of really good passes. He was a plus 17 in his minutes, and it it shows you that the Clippers figure it out. I mean, Ty Lue figured it out, pulled Tucker from the um, rotation, put in Kobe Brown, and it seemed to work, and everybody chipped in in that game, and in order to beat Denver, you have to do that. Everybody needs to chip in, and in this game... If you would have had somebody going for 40 and everybody else doing poorly, you would have lost. But the Clippers had everybody doing their part. And what was even more impressive than the win itself was how they did it. Because they were down by 15 after one quarter. But for the Clippers to stay in it in a situation where they could have easily had it go back to their the back of their minds, be like, ah, shit, here we go again. The Clippers down to the Nuggets. It's like... Remember how the Clippers just felt like the Warriors were their daddy during the Lob City era time? It really feels like you could have had that come into the fold here, where you fall behind the Nuggets and you think, great, here we go again. And the Clippers could have folded, but they didn't fold um, a couple of weeks ago when they were down big. And I think that's a lesson, that they can come back. And they did so with a massive second quarter, and they ended up having a great fourth quarter as well. And so they are a team that now knows they can come back because the pieces are there. And I think how they won that game is going to be really important going forward because they know they can go down, which teams are going to go down. You'll, you'll go down. But the fact that they can battle and come back says a lot about this squad. Such a good point because, yeah, I mean, Denver, remember last year, you played Denver, they would go up. They would do those 36 to 21 first quarters, which happened in this game. But then the, now the Clippers came back a 40 to 21 second quarter. And before I get in, uh, okay, so then, and Tice also had as many three pointers as Jokic. That's all I want to say about Tice. But the Clippers are able to come back. But in the next game against the Jazz, which we already talked about, they're able to withstand a run. So you can be down or you can be up. And either way, you can traverse that terrain because. If if you're up, and and somebody makes a run like like the Jazz did, and and they came they came roaring back right, and it was like uh oh, watch out now are we is this is this is this going to get a little dicey here? No, the Clippers staved off that, and to to your point, the Nuggets throttled the Clippers in that first quarter, and then the Clippers came back and throttled them in the second quarter and. You know, the third quarter wasn't ideal. And then the fourth quarter, they came back and and throttled them. So and won it again. So they're, what we're learning is that this Clippers team can be resilient. And then they, and they don't just have to be front runners and they and they can play from behind. So there's a lot to like about these two games. They can come from behind. They can withstand a push when they're out in front. It's, it's really good signs moving forward. Yeah, so a couple of good wins, no doubt about that. So the Clippers now find themselves at 11-10. and 10. Like we said, they're currently in that play-in tournament situation, but a lot of time to go. Let's look ahead to what the Clippers have this week, and it is a back-to-back starting tomorrow night. Uh, when you're listening to this podcast, it's probably going to be tonight. The Clippers are at home now for four games in a row, a massive four games this week versus Portland, Sacramento, Golden State, 
and the New York Knicks very easily could go 4-0 on this homestand. And you have no excuses in terms of the game time during the weekend. It's a Knicks game at 7.30 p.m. So you have four games at home before you have to go on the road to take on a very good Indiana team and a very good OKC team, along with the Dallas team that may or may not have Kyrie. We'll see what his situation is like before coming home to take on Boston. So the Clippers have some tough games coming up. When you have Indiana, you have OKC, you have Boston, you have Miami, you have Phoenix, you have New Orleans, you have the Lakers. I mean, it does not get easy. And so this is a homestand where the Clippers really have to take care of business. And it's funny because you could say on this podcast that we talk about this all the time. These three or four game stretches will find out a lot about the team. And the Clippers sometimes do poorly. They sometimes do well. But you really have to look at this in a group of four because when you hit back, when you hit the road, it's going to get harder. The Clippers have not been good away from home. They got that win against Utah. I think that was only their fourth road win all season. So if you're the Clippers, you have to take business, take care of business at home where you're seven and three this year. So. I'm looking forward to this week. I think it's a really important week for the Clippers, and we're going to see if they can carry on the momentum. No one's talking about them, Matt. They're 8-3 and three in their last 11, and there's a very strong chance that we could be talking on this podcast on Sunday, and they could be either 12-3 and three or 11-4 and four in their last 15 games. So I'm looking forward to this stretch. How about you? Well, you're right. Four and seven on the road, and we have these home games coming up. I'm going to be I, I I'm going to be in the house tomorrow, so we can just count that as a win. Oh, let's go. Yeah, so that's good. But against the Kings, the Warriors, and the Knicks on Saturday, like you said, though those three games, and we can count tomorrow as a win because I'm going to be there. Those are going to be very, very, very telling because we always talk about, and you said. It can be up, it can be down, but can we get some consistency? Can we get, it's a three-game win streak right right now. Can we extend it to four, five, six, seven? That's the kind of win streak you need if you really, really want to be taken seriously. And then, of course, like you said, we go on the road against the Pacers and Mavericks, but that's a little bit down the line. The rest of this week is going to be super telling against a few teams that, or a couple of teams in Sacramento and Golden State that, like we talk about, mean a lot to the Clippers standings-wise. And even this early in the season, we're a quarter of the way through. So we got to start looking at that kind of stuff. These are going to be huge. A back-to-back, we'll see if everybody plays, because everybody's, and, and by everybody, I mean Kawhi and PG, they've played every game so far. So will they continue to do so? We'll look at those minutes tomorrow, and then we'll see if those minutes translate onto Tuesday. Yeah. So that that's going to be the first thing we need to look at, I think. Um, you said when we talk Sunday, hey, man, I'm down to record Friday if you want, but we'll see what happens. Oh, for sure. We'll do a podcast. We'll try and do a podcast. I'm not going to say we we'll will try. because I mean, there are course, so many times. Yeah, Schedules permitting. There are so many times um, I've come on and said, I'm joking, yeah. I'm, jo- I'm joking around a little bit. Yeah. But as far as these games are concerned, I, I'm going to have my eye on on that back-to-back just, just to start mm-hmm. with. I want to see who's playing, what kind of minutes. And, you know, we should beat the Trailblazers, especially because me and my friends are going to be in the building, but should be should beat the Kings as well, I hope. But that's going to be tougher on a back to back. That's what we're looking at initially. Second game of back to back. The Kings are a good team. But you talk about that Portland game. This is one of those games where we can come on here and be very frustrated. Yeah. And say that this is a stupid loss. No Jeremy Grant. 
Aiton and Brogdon are both questionable. It's possible neither of those guys play. You cannot play down to your opponent. They don't have Jeremy Grant. This is a team that has very little offensive firepower. Simons is back, but apart from him, there's not a whole lot that you're afraid of offensively on this team. Obviously, Shaden Sharp is solid, but, I mean, listen, there's no Lillard. He's gone. He's on Milwaukee. Jeremy Grant has a concussion. I mean, you look at who these guys have had previously and who they have now, and this is a game where the Clippers should win. And I would guarantee you the Clippers will be close to a double-digit favorite. I'm going to look it up right now as we're recording. The Clippers are a 13.5-point favorite tomorrow night. No excuses. You need to throttle Portland tomorrow night, and we'll see if the Clippers can take care of business. By the way, the Kings... We talk about it's a back-to-back for the Clippers. It's a back-to-back for them as well. They're home tomorrow night against Brooklyn in what will be a tough game, you would assume, for them. So they've got to play Monday night at home and then travel down to L.A. to take on the Clippers on Tuesday night. So the Clippers have the better of that situation. The Clippers should be favored in the next four games. So you should go at least 3-1 and one in these four games. So a very crucial, crucial stretch. But it definitely all starts tomorrow night. And you mentioned the minutes. There's no reason why Kawhi and PG should need to play 38 minutes tomorrow night. No reason whatsoever. They should hopefully be available on Tuesday. So far, these guys have played in both the, in um, all the back-to-backs. So I think this is a stretch where you need to win and you need to keep, take care of guys' minutes where you can, especially tomorrow night against Portland. Yeah, there, it, neither guy should play over... 31, 32, and that should be the max. Hopefully, if you are to take care of a team like the Blazers, but you never know. Like guys, guys could get hot. And then you and then you move further down the week, and we'll talk about that later. But these yeah. these next two games, and and it's 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 great that Sacramento's also on a back to back, but you can't discount that because those guys just love to run. And uh, they, you know, they give the Clippers fits. We've seen the last couple of games they've played. So these next two games, Monday and Tuesday, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm very excited. I'm excited for every Clippers game, but this back-to-back is going to be super fun to watch, and I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, hopefully uh, we can get a podcast out for you either Wednesday or Friday. I'd love to have one out on Wednesday. We'll see what the schedules are like. If you're able to record, if you're not able to record, I'll see if I can get somebody else on um, just to talk about the Portland-Sacramento hey, games. I'll be here. I'll, I'm on. Okay, cool. So uh, we'll, Count me on. We'll try and do Wednesday night. Um, uh, I will be – I should be home, and uh, so hopefully we'll do that. So, yeah, um, it should be interesting this week. It's important. I think the Clippers need to start off tomorrow with a win. We'll see what they do against Sacramento. A win would obviously be great as well. Matt Matta Warren at Matt Matta Warren on Twitter slash X at BD Marcus for myself. Of course, the Ethos Clippers podcast is on that platform as well. If you give us can give us a five star rating and review the podcast as well. And if you can share it, the more people that listen to this podcast, um, the more chance for this one to spread and the more chance for possibly money to come in our pockets at one point. So let's hope that this podcast continues to spread. Um, Really do thank everybody for listening. It's really helpful. So thank you very much to you, the listener. Of course, it's uh, a nice stretch here, and it's always nice being positive about the Clippers team. And I think for the most part in this podcast, we are really positive, and it's great when we're in this type of situation. So I I, I like when this happens, Matt. I'm glad when I like when we're happy. It makes things a lot better, you know? Being happy is a lot better than being sad. And I know that's 
that might be a hot take, but I'm going to stick with it. It's not a hot take. It's just the truth. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Hope everybody has a great week ahead. And I hope the Clippers have a winning week ahead. For Matt, I'm Brandon. Until next time, go Clips. Go Clips.